1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 to 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, You shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfil against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever, 
for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here am I. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the season of Epiphany in the calendar of the Church. It's part of the greater Christmas season, which goes on until Candlemas on February the 2nd. So if you've still got your decorations up, you shouldn't feel in any hurry to pack them away. Epiphany literally means shining forth or revelation. It starts with the story of the Magi, for whom a shining star in the heavens leads them to the revelation of a child born to be king. But this season then continues with all sorts of other stories in which people have a revelation, seeing Christ, themselves, the world around them in a new light. Their epiphanies are the moments when the light bulb goes on in their heads, when the penny drops. In today's readings, we have two stories about people who took a bit of getting through to, who just couldn't seem to hear or see things which later seemed obvious to them. Nathaniel can't believe that Jesus might be the Messiah. 
Samuel takes all night to realise that God is speaking to him and the old priest Eli has been deaf to the voice of God for many years. I expect we can all sympathise with them. I'm sure we've all been confronted with a truth about someone or something which, looking back, we feel we should have known all along. Worse still, perhaps we realise that we did know it but couldn't acknowledge it. This pandemic has been one wake-up call after another, a time which seems to have caught many people napping again and again and again, failing to take seriously enough the warning signs and the risks, despite the fact that emergency planners have been warning of the danger of pandemics for decades. Why didn't we want to heed the possibility that something like this might happen? The reluctance to see and to hear what's right in front of us isn't limited to pandemics, of course. We've all experienced it in other ways, too. Why didn't we spot the warning signs of a relationship that was getting into difficulties? Why didn't we take notice of the niggling symptoms that later turned out to be a serious illness? On a positive note, Many people take years and years to realise that they're being called to a particular career, vocation or ministry. In hindsight, it was all obvious. But what was it that clouded our vision and stopped our ears beforehand? In Nathaniel's case, it seems to be prejudice that gets in the way of him seeing the truth about Jesus. A Messiah from Nazareth? You've got to be joking, he says to his friends. We're not sure why Nazareth seemed so dodgy to him, but presumably people at the time would have understood very well. It might have been because the northern territory of Galilee was much more mixed ethnically and religiously than the southern lands around Jerusalem. It was also where the majority of the occupying Roman soldiers were stationed, forcing the people into greater collaboration with them. Or perhaps Nazareth just had a bad reputation a backwater, Hicksville place people wanted to avoid. Whatever it was, though, Nathaniel seems convinced that Nazarenes are not Messiah material and he can't get past that. It's only when he meets Jesus that he realises his mistake. This man knows him somehow even better than Nathaniel knows himself because he sees Nathaniel's potential as a disciple something which was way off Nathaniel's radar. The story of Eli and Samuel is a more complex tale, and a sadder one. Eli was the old priest at the shrine of Shiloh, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. He had two adult sons who should have followed him as priests in this important position, because priesthood was hereditary. But they've gone off the rails. They're abusing their positions and stealing the offerings. Eli knows this at some level, but he's never quite found the courage or energy to confront them. In the end, of course, they're responsible for themselves, but at least Eli could have tried to influence them, and it seems he hasn't. The message God gives to Samuel is grim. It's the end of the road for Eli's household. His sons will eventually be killed in battle, and Eli himself will die of sorrow. No wonder Samuel seems reluctant to pass this message on. But Eli finds the courage, at least and at last, to urge Samuel to tell him the truth, no matter what it is. 
and by doing that he teaches Samuel a vital lesson which he'll need to draw on often in the future, that the truth, however painful, can't be avoided forever. Samuel will go on to be one of Israel's most important prophets, instrumental in the lives of King Saul and King David. He will often be called by God to challenge them, and those who challenge kings need all the courage they can muster. I like to hope that Eli took some comfort in seeing that for all his failures, he was able to play some part in God's work in preparing Samuel for his role. And that's what it's about, God's work. Because it's most often where the pain is and where the mess is that God is. We see this in Jesus above all, born in a dung-strewn stable, growing up in that dodgy town of Nazareth, dying on a cross alone and reviled, looking to all the world as if he's failed. Who would have thought that God could be in these squalid places, in these squalid things? Not the Magi who headed first for Herod's palace. Not Nathaniel with his blinkered views. Not the horrified disciples who ran away from the crucifixion. But that's where God was, at work in the world through Christ. And that's where he still is, in the places, the people, the situations we'd rather not see at all, the things within ourselves we'd rather bury or ignore. It's there that God waits patiently with his healing and his love, because it's there that we need him most. When we turn away from that place, we turn away from God too. I wonder what would happen today if we were to say honestly, as Samuel does, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I don't know the answer to that, and perhaps that's why it frightens me, as perhaps it does you. But if we are serious in our search for God's presence in our lives and in our world, then the place we're avoiding is probably the very best place to start. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace, and in the renewal of our lives make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.